This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O. Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. <laughs> anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> it's the full go presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. You know, Cub Sox, Cub Sox is always fun. There's always something weird happening. Um, and tonight wasn't any different. And if you're listening to us on, I guess, the post-game kind of side of things, and we, we just started recording maybe a couple minutes ago. It's about... Uh, Minutes before 10 o'clock here, Central Time. Cubs Sox just wrapped up game one of a two-gamer, I believe. Three to one is the final score. And yeah, man, I got to say this before I even start with the game. You know, for for a while now, we've been going through this and, and trying to figure out when baseball should start their season. And I got to say it. It's, it's time. The people who are out at Wrigley Field today were sitting in pissing rain, you know, just just stupid wind, cold as hell outside. Um, and, and I know, I know, you know, tiniest violin for the people who, you know, get the night off to go watch a, a baseball game. I, I can understand that. But if we're really talking about the betterment of the sport, for the betterment of the sport, it, it's time. 
it's time to re-examine when Major League Baseball season starts. Um, and I know we're going to get into this condensed schedule. Is it going to be 140, 154? Is it going to be 162 games? I don't have the answers. I, I truly don't have the answers. This is just kind of like me uh, workshopping this thing throughout this game tonight because for the entire three hours that I watched this game, I sat and thought to myself, God damn, I'm happy I'm at home. Because if I had tickets to this game, whether it be at the beginning of this year, whether you bought them, you know, as soon as tickets went on sale, whether you walked up and bought these tickets. If you walked up and bought these tickets, you're a different kind of sports animal. I, there's, a, there's a level of, um, I don't even know if it's respect because I had a lot of people who, because I commented on this on Twitter. And I had a lot of people who were like, oh, it's this Bill's character. You start tough and you end tough. Man, knock that shit off. For anybody out there who thinks, and, and this, I think this is happening because we're a Midwestern city and sometimes those inferiority complexes jump in you because you look at other cities who have great weather and you're like, oh, screw that. They're soft. Let me tell you something. There's no measure of toughness, bro. Like the, the area code that you slip out of your mama in you know what i'm saying like like there's you know what i'm saying like there's no like if you if your mama had you on a train you know and you were in between like in colorado and arizona are you less tough you know what i mean like this whole foolishness about all oh, this makes you tougher going out, i wish i would take my happy ass and sit outside in 35 degree 45 degree weather with spitting rain for three hours not saying i'm better than y'all but i damn sure ain't worse than y'all because, man, that should look miserable to sit out in. And, of course, Jason Benetti and Steve Stone, I was watching the NBC Sports Chicago broadcast. Jason and Steve had a great time, and they they, they always have a good time. They always put on a good show. Uh, but you could tell them boys was upset. And when they went back to the studio, of course, Ozzie Ginn and Frank Thomas making fun of how warm and cozy they were, and Ozzie talking about him eating sushi while guys are out there in, in, in gale force winds seemingly watch baseball. I just, I, I don't know, man. Like, this has been like this now for a decade. You, you motherfuckers have been pr- spraying aerosol cans into the sky for 30 years now, and it's finally come home to roost. Like, climate change, I don't know. I know this ain't a political pod, right? But climate change, if you don't understand how real this is like i remember as a kid i would try to figure out when it was going to get warm and you know how i did that the my girl song when it's cold outside i got the month of may when i was a kid that was like kind of how i tricked myself into understanding when the season should start to change right when you should start to feel better about your skin outside not being you know abrasively attacked by chicago winners and guess what, man? It has been like this now. And I don't have the meteorology reports in front of me. I don't have Amy Freeze or any uh, who is a Cheryl Scott or who, you know, um, uh, there's, there's a few. There's, there's a few uh, weather people here in the city. But, man, I can't, I can't tell you what it was 10 years ago, nine years ago, eight years ago. But it feels like it's been this way for a while. And especially for the prime markets in this league, whether it be New York, whether it be Boston, whether it be D.C., whether it be Chicago. Yeah, I know L.A. and and Phoenix and, and the Texas teams and the Florida teams are all important as well. But you've got prime markets covered in shit weather for the first 35, 45 days of a season. Like, when do you start to adjust to what's happening, especially since your sport is managed and ruled by climate? Like, like if you if we're still doing this whole no 
um, uniform ballparks, no uniformity in terms of dome stadiums and everybody. Like, a lot of people chimed in, because I threw this out on Twitter. A lot of people chimed in about uh, owners being forced to build retractable roof stadiums from here on out. And I'm not mad at it, but of course you're going to have people who are upset because the pageantry and the love of baseball will be lost if you close it in in, in the summer. If you if it's too hot outside and you say, you know what, I'm going to close this roof, then all the people out there won't be feeling the, the sun rays bouncing off their skin and drinking beers by the, you know, by the, by the cupfuls. Like, yeah, the, the sport might feel a little bit different, but it's going to feel a lot more comfortable too. Or, or what you do is you chop some of these meaningless games off. And I know that's never going to happen because revenue is revenue. You're not going to go backwards when it comes to revenue if you're an owner. And I do understand these warm weather cities saying to themselves like, yo, why should I give up all these early dates, home dates that is, because cold weather teams, the, the big fix maybe about four or five years ago was all right, cold weather teams start on the road for the first two, three weeks of the season. But guess what? These teams make their money when kids are out of school as well, when families can go. Families of four and five is a lot different than you and your lady going out and understanding that the kids got to go to school tomorrow so they can't go to a game that's going to end at 1030. So these warm weather cities aren't going to sacrifice those out of school days that that they will be getting that that real gate, you know, and during the summer, they're not going to sacrifice that because Chicago and New York and Boston have bad weather. What needs to happen is you need to take a look at the new map, the new world that you're playing in and the new weather system that you're playing around and start this season a little bit later and finish it a little bit earlier and figure out how, since doubleheaders now can be seven innings, figure out how many you can slip in during the week if it's one time a week that you're going to get, uh, you know, a, a, a 14 innings worth of baseball, one day of baseball counting as two games, then fine. But, man, the product is ass. The product is ass. You had Tim Anderson get hit today, and he, he was, I think, the, the second batter hitting that inning, and he looked at Keegan Thompson and said, you good, you good, I know the ball slipped. You got, you got a projectile out there. The guys are throwing 90-plus miles an hour on the low end. Guys' careers can be ended because you're out there playing in, in football weather. It just it, it doesn't make any sense to me. This is how guys get hurt. The game isn't fun to watch. I mean, baseball, the significance of baseball is the, the summer is coming, right? You're getting ready to shed some of these clothes. You're going to be outside more. You're going to enjoy um, nature. You're going to enjoy the sounds of summer. You're going to enjoy hanging out and fraternizing with the opposite sex or the same sex, whatever the case may be. But you're going to enjoy being outside. You tell me who the fuck's going to enjoy being outside during a Cubs-Sox game on, what's today's day? May 3rd, where the high was. Here, let me let me check my, my app. Hey, hold on real quick. Hey, hey, hey Siri. What was today's weather? It's currently cloudy and 43 degrees. Today's high will be 48 degrees and the low will be 43 degrees. Thank you, Siri. Ain't that a bitch? 43 degrees? I did this one time. I went to go see Matt Harvey uh, pitch against Jake Arrieta. A Mets Cubs game. I don't know how many years ago this was. You can probably be able to look this up, but man, I don't know, man. I was back when I just got back from Atlanta, right? So about six years ago, something like that. And in inning three, 
I was like, this is some bullshit. We got to go. This ain't for me. This ain't for you. This ain't for anybody else in here. We just the only ones that understand that. And yeah, you call me soft, do all the things that you want to do. But nobody, nobody enjoys playing in that. You got guys covered from head to toe out there in, 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 for three hours. Nobody's enjoying that. It's different when you get to October and you've already gone through the, the, the greatness of summer and the dog days of summer and then the playoff push, trade deadline, all that. Like the season builds to, uh, you know, uh, a, an end where, okay, Mr. October, you know, the Reggie Jackson thing. It's fun to have those nicknames and it's fun to see guys blowing smoke out their mouth when they're at the, at the plate, right? You know, these big burly closers, you know, they, they, they look like charging bulls when the, with, the, with the smoke blowing out of their nose they're peering down looking for the signs like that intimidation factor and that that vibe is different than starting a season in tumultuous weather so baseball's got to figure something out man and 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 this isn't a prisoner of the moment thing people have been talking about this now for years and baseball which is i guess slow to change i mean not even guessing you, you look how often the rules get changed it's once every 54 60 years whatever the case may be but something's got to change and, and whether spring training gets pushed back a little bit or it's elongated whatever the case may be this is not playable it's not fun it doesn't look fun it doesn't feel fun on a night like this where you've got a, a team that is playing another team in the same city you schedule a cubs Sox series in the beginning of may like, what, what computer program put that together? Where's the human element that understands that this is going to be terrible, not only for the fans, but also for the, for the participants? Nobody wants to be out there. That's how guys get hurt. So, yeah, I mean, the game was, you know, the game was the game. I expected the Sox to do what they did. Their offense started out uh, really, really well. I mean, you got Tim Anderson, who feasts on first pitch, um, First pitch anything, you know, first pitch swinging. First pitch of the third inning, he goes deep off of, of Keegan Thompson. The game started out weirdly because Drew Smiley, uh, who was the schedule starter, got scratched, got thrown on the bereavement list. We hope everything is um, okay with he and his family. Uh, and, and it's got to be tough when, when you know that a certain guy is starting and all of a sudden he's scratched. Um, but for the Sox side of things, Michael Kopech, right? Like, I don't know what the hell Tony LaRusso is doing out here. He lets the guy go out there for four innings, and then he lets him go out there for the fifth, and, and he, gets, he gives up a hit and he pulls him. I mean, hell, you should have just pulled him at the end of four. If that's the case, I understand he's got the pitch count. You know, you, you want him somewhere around 80. You're trying to stretch him out. This guy's going to be important for you, not only this year, but for years to come. But when a win is on the line, you know these guys. You know how these dudes get down. You could say that wins and losses don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Pitchers wins and losses, that is. But when a guy can sniff a win out and he's got a 3-0 lead, right, and he's only got three outs to get that win, and he's a young dude who wants to build some confidence, you got to let him go out there and pitch. And, and then you go to a bullpen that's been shaky, for the better part of this early season. Yeah, you know, Reynaldo Lopez came out there and pitched well. Don't get me wrong. Aaron Bummer came out there and did his job as well. Matt Foster did what he had to do, and then Liam Hendricks had a 10-pitch inning uh, against a Cubs team who, man, yo, the, the at-bats are horrendous. They started out they started out with a different philosophy. You could tell there was a different emphasis in terms of their approach at the plate, but yeah. The Sox got some uh, swing and miss type arms. The Cubs damn sure got some swing and miss bats. 
mean, it was say a Suzuki right now looks befuddled. The the first what 10, 12 games out the shoot, out here just launching on people. Last week and a half or so, that man has been caught looking a lot. And when guys are caught looking, that means you're getting locked up. That means you're guessing. Usually the rebound or the 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 counterbalance doesn't happen or the counterpunch from a, a, a you know the the league doesn't happen this quickly. Right? Usually, you know, hitters get a little bit of a jump on the league. Guys don't have a scouting report on, you know where your your holes are in your swing. It usually takes a, a seemingly 15, 20, 25, 30 games. No, no, no. It seems like Major League Baseball knows exactly what's going on with Seiya Suzuki. And maybe this is a little tough stretch for him. I, of course, he's too talented a player to to slump for very, very long, but he has struggled. And and I'll say this, for whatever Cubs fans are feeling, whatever they might be going through in terms of this new rebuild and what this thing is going to look like going forward, uh, Nick Madrigal, Nicky Two Strikes, a lot of Sox fans had some choice uh, feelings and thoughts about him at the end of his time as a White Sox. He gets traded over to the Cubs. I'm not mad at Nico Horner and Nick Madrigal being your shortstop and second baseman. Nico Horner made a couple of really, really nice plays tonight. Really nice plays out there in the field. It's just Cubs right now, offensively, they ain't got it. And and when you throw out, uh, you know, uh, a, a bullpen uh, by committee type of vibe, a, a start by committee, start by bullpen, yeah, that's essentially what happened. I was surprised they only held the Sox to three runs. Sox offense bogged down after uh, the, the, the early the early production, you know, you got Reese McGuire out there with a sack bunt. I like Reese McGuire a lot, actually. You could do a lot worse at backup catcher. You slot him in there every once in a while, give Yasmani Grandal a chance to DH or get a rest. Um, I, I like Reese McGuire a lot, actually. Uh, but Tim Anderson did what he had to do. Jake Berger is crashing into the outfield or to uh, down the third baseline, crashing into the stands. I mean, it was a weird Cub Sox game, but. I think it was mired by the weather. And the Sox get a win, but I think everybody loses in this situation. Major League Baseball has got to do something. They got to figure something out when it comes to this season and what the new, the new Major League Baseball weather pattern looks like. Can't be cleaving to these old, um, these old tropes and these, these old thoughts of what's happening out there weather-wise. You know, just check the science. <laughs> Polar caps are melting. <laughs> tides are rising and it's cold as hell in May in the Midwest and the Northeastern part of this country. You got to figure something out, baseball, or else you're going to lose a lot of money at the gate in the first month of the season in places like Chicago and D.C., New York, and Boston, and that can't happen. That can't happen. I know the Yankees, huh? I should holler at my man, uh, you know, Johnny Stremski. Shout out to the New York, New York podcast. And boys, uh, last I checked, won 10 in a row, right? I'm sure it'd be a lot more fun if this was a month later into the season or into the summer so that you can enjoy that 10 in a row, that nine in a row with good weather. Not everybody lives in L.A. like my man Jesse Lopez. You know what I mean? Not everybody lives out there in California. Not everybody lives out there in Texas or Florida. Baseball's got to figure something out to make it comfortable for everybody that enjoys the sport, and especially if you're going to be the dumbass who schedules a Cubs-Sox Crosstown series in the beginning of May. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. 
My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Bulls talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Hey, you know what else you haven't seen? Because you know What's it's that? off season now. I'm rocking the Sherman Hemsley boy. I'm a. I'm oh, not... you went straight. You went straight to the to the skin or what? No, no. This is the thing. I'm I'm uh I'm I'm getting close to that artist Gilmore where I got the. Oh, you're gonna have to. Yeah. You're gonna have yeah. to get. You're gonna get, have to get after that. <laughs> See, I, I like. I haven't gotten my fade at all since since the playoffs started like i got the i got the nice fade right before the playoffs right. and zero and everything and <laughs> i was like all right man i don't have to be on camera for a while i'm gonna go ahead and just not do anything at all at all no I, I, it's at this point now these are the points in the off season where i'm like just don't get arrested jay because the mug shot is gonna, <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be so bad it's like Hey, can I call? Who's your one phone call? Let me get my barber right. here first before y'all take this photo. Well, the problem is for me, uh, the barbershop that I was going to uh, closed down. So oh, now I'm in this weird phase of like trying to figure out who I could trust. I am going at, and they're going to hear this and I don't give a shit. Whatever. I am going to probably the sketchiest barbershop I've ever visited in my really? life. And I've, and I've been... Where is it at? Like, Where is it at? I'm not even going... I'm not going to do this. Don't even say it. Don't put them on blast. It's but it's, fine. It's, it's, fine. it's not where you would think it was. I'll just put it like that. It's not where... Okay. In the city of Chicago, when you think sketch, it's not where you think it no, should and be. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't assume you were going down to Cicero or something <laughs> at like 79. Like, I didn't assume that. I'm dead serious. I did not assume that that's where you were going. I was like, there's... There's sketch in the north, there's sketch in the west, there's sketch in the south, there's sketch in the northwest. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. Shout out was, to all was, our East Chicago, Indiana folks who never, East never, Chicago, never, Indiana <laughs> too, man. Hey, I've spent enough time, I've spent enough time doing, uh, re, you know, like housework in, in Harvey and work in Bronzeville. And it's like, hey, man, everybody, every area's got sketch, every area's got nice. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. The only time I've spent in Harvey is uh, leaving a, an establishment. So, so. Uh, sure. Sure. Shout, I, I believe him, man. Shout out to the now. Shout out to Harvey. Yeah. Shout, shout out, out to, to the now defunct Red Diamond. Uh, I miss you. I miss you and I love you, Red Diamond. You're opening opening this up the same way you always did. Just got to shout out everybody. Oh, you yeah. Might have been yeah. The first, yeah, the not first enough, three minutes. There's not enough recognition out there. You know what I mean? Shout, oh, shout out to all our special education teachers out there. You know, sh- shout out to all the bakers out there. When's the last time you met a good baker? You know what I mean? Like, I, haven't, I haven't gone in. I, I'm, I'm still waiting to meet a good candlestick maker. I, I have no idea. Man. I haven't met him. My man, Adam Amin. Adam Amin joining us here on the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer and, of course, Spotify. Um, so I'm looking at FanDuel Sportsbook app and trying to figure out wh- uh, which bad bets I'm going to place this evening. And I was I was sitting thinking yes. about it, and not just in a, in a Bulls scope, but, you know, how many eras can we think of, and not even post-Jordan, maybe including Jordan, where we didn't know who exactly the man was? 
And, and and I was I was thinking about it this this year, especially this playoffs too. You know, everybody's like, "Well, there's no LeBron, so yeah, I'm fine. I'm I'm still watching basketball, okay. still enjoying basketball." Um, Kevin Durant, only player, only team that got swept out of these playoffs. I'm fine mm-hmm. with it. I, it, it. You know what this reminds me of? Kind of like that post '98 vibe where we didn't know Michael's coming back, but yep. the Stephon Marbury's and the Allen Iversons and the Tracy McGrady's and the Kobe Bryant's before Kobe was hollowed and Harold is one of the greatest. Of all time. Exactly. Yeah. Like taking a look at it. This is that, this is that nasty playpen time now where it's like, all right, who, who's going to separate themselves. And I'm telling you now for, for as much as we talk about skill and this, that, and the other, if Giannis Antetokounmpo makes it to the finals, as, as far as the road that he would have to take to get there, if he makes it to the finals and somehow, some way wins another, we're not just talking about him in this, you know, best of his generation or one of the best of his generation. Like he's going to be sitting at the big boy table with, you know, six, seven, eight other legends because I, right now that thing is up for grabs because LeBron is LeBron and Kevin Durant has been battling with LeBron in terms of who's the best player. And there's been a lot of other guys who have individually good seasons and guys who have stepped up to the occasion. But this is this is that that fun part right now. If I'm a young NBA fan, if I'm 12, 13, 14 years old, this is what is this is what it's supposed to be in trying to figure out who you're going to root for for the next seven, eight years. Because it's all degrees, right? Of what do you value? Do you value skill? Do you, are you looking for the most skilled? Because Giannis is not the most skilled player in the league. We we see that firsthand. And that's not an insult to Giannis. Right. He is so freakishly athletic and such a specimen physically and so smart. He's he's clearly developing a true sense. Like I'm, I'm watching some of these passes he made against Boston in game one. And obviously, we saw it in Chicago in that series. He makes good plays. Mm-hmm. He makes high IQ plays but he is not the most skilled. He's all arms and legs. It's a lot of overpowering uh, defenders, you know, sometimes to his detriment. He gets called for a lot of offensive fouls. But if I'm looking at like who I want on my team right now in terms of pure talent and pure package, yeah, it's Giannis. If I'm looking for the most skilled guy, it's probably Durant because of what he can do with his size, scoring over any player in the league, just about his handles, all that stuff. I mean, all around, you look, there are there there is a player for every type of basketball fan. If you like good passing, if you like skilled big men, if you like powerful players, all of that stuff, you like great shooters, you like great handles, there's a player for everybody. Kyrie fits the profile of what certain people like. They want a guard who can handle because maybe they were a guard and they like guards who can shoot, right. move past bigger defenders. If you're a guy who worked as a big man and you can shoot a little bit, you like Joel Embiid, you like Carl Anthony Towns. If you like powerful players you like Anthony Edwards you know and you like Giannis Antetokounmpo if you want a, a pure scorer you like Devin Booker right now so there's a there's a profile for every fan and I think that's kind of what you're talking about with 99 you know before Duncan and those boys yeah. started to establish their their dominance for a period of time and the NBA was going through a rule change period mm-hmm. and you know there was a lot of question marks hey who is going to be the next quote-unquote face of the league and Giannis I think is right there at the head of the pack for a lot of reasons. And if he keeps winning titles, I think he, you kind of look at him and go, yeah, I think this is the next guy. Plus he's likable. Right. Helps. Right. And he's got everything, right? Cause he's got the, the, the European background being from Greece. Right. So he's got that part, but True. he's also 
a brother. And that, I mean, sure. let's let's not let in the, in the the league that is considered the black league. Um, you know, I love the fact that the rise of the Luka Doncic's of the world and other guys who who aren't brothers because it brings me back to something that I didn't get a chance to truly truly experience because when my parents, my dad first came to this country, like his friends were either Lakers fans or Celtics fans. And the bird <laughs> versus magic thing, yeah. you know, guys would have all our arguments in front of me like a 6-year-old like, "Man, this is fun." And when it came yeah. to my childhood or my early years, I was like, "All right, every June I know my favorite team is going to be in the finals." So yep. so I don't I don't have to get into these trivial arguments. I I'm no. sure it's a lot of fun right now. Some of these league rivalries and these player-based rivalries for these fans are starting to build and brew a little bit. I like that there's I won't say a hatred. I think there was a healthy spark between Milwaukee and Chicago this uh-huh. year. Like I think there was a healthy uh, friendly hatred. Now the Grayson Allen thing, notwithstanding, that's a very likable Milwaukee team. Mm-hmm. I like Drew Holiday as a guy. Yeah. I like Pat Connaughton as a guy. I like Giannis as a guy. I like Bobby Portis when he's not playing the Bulls. He's a fun <laughs> guy to watch play basketball. They're likable people. Chris Middleton's a likable player, and I've been around some of these guys over the course of the last five six years. These are likable human beings, and that's the league. The first punch we see thrown is going to be the first one that we've seen in a long time. Nobody, there's too much money at stake. And I know my partner, Stacey King, on, on Bulls broadcast, he, he there's part of him that wants to jump over the table and, mm-hmm. you know, throw, mm-hmm. a, throw a forearm at somebody. And I understand that. They can't That's do that no more, baby. Uh, but, man, your, your star player is not making $7 million a year anymore. Your star player is making $30 million a year, $40 million a year. Right. There's too much money at stake for people to, to jeopardize that in the midst of a game. So I understand, like, the, old, the, the kind of balance between the old school and the new school. So I don't think there's any hated rivals anymore. It's not about hated rivalries. It's about, does, does this team get under your skin? Does this team do something that you want to stop? Does this team have a player that talks when he's getting going that you want to take out? Mm-hmm. And that's the, the kind of building blocks right now of the rivalry aspect of it. And then the rest of it is the debate. The debate of who is better, whose team is better. I'm, I'm seeing Windhorse today saying uh, Giannis is a better defender than, Lebr- than maybe even LeBron ever was. And I'm like, Yo, Giannis is a good defender and he's one defensive player of the year, but he's a free safety. Right. LeBron was is a really good free safety. Man enough. And he's a really good press corner. Right. You know, like you can put him in any position, one through five, and he's gonna guard you. And and I think there's a difference there. So like the debate is what keeps all this together. It's the glue of what keeps these rivalries and this hatred in this conversation. And and also, you know, the guys, I'm trying to figure out who's gonna be the next Charles Barkley of this crew because who, who like the nuance. In the- are you saying? Are you saying on TV? Or are you saying like career wise? So like basketball or- both, both. Because okay. for me, um, and it's, it sucks because I hate to put it in this frame, but post Jordan, a lot of conversations, you know, lost nuance. And during Jordan, you, you, we could talk about like when I was a kid. Bernard King and guys like that, or when I was a kid, you know, Mitch Richmond and Glenn Rice and and who's who's going to be the next Clyde Drexler, right? Yeah. Like, who's the guy that is going to get probably to that mountaintop and never overcome it until he has to go join somebody else or something like that? Because we forget about Clyde's career at Portland, and then he goes to Houston and wins the championship with, with Akeem. But Clyde Drexler was a hell of a player. Like, I look at guys like um, Donovan Mitchell and yep. uh, dudes who are getting close to that 
bumping that head portion of their career where it's like, all right, now it ain't working here. And the pressure is going to land squarely on me. That's why I've always looked at Damian Lillard in Portland. Like, man, that man has been, yeah. he's been moving without pressure for a good three or four years. While he was talking about all-star games, I'm like, dude, you are being treated like a star, but not getting the pressure that a star deserves. And what do you know? The last two years, all we've talked about is he was behind the Chauncey Billups hire. C.J. McCollum has to go now because... So mm-hmm. I'm also trying to figure out who's the guy that we are going to chide post-Jordan conversation where it's like, he's not a champion, but we remember, or we're going to have to be the old heads telling the young dudes. like Because it's hilarious to me on Twitter that people have to be explained to how cold Charles Barkley was, right? Like Because we grew up yeah. watching it. We grew up and we saw Charles in Phoenix. So this is... This is where my mind is wandering these days, not knowing who the Jordan is. Hell, not knowing who the, you know, who the, who the second fiddle is or who the third best player in the league is. But now trying to figure out who are those guys whose careers are going to be sucked, sucked up and swallowed up in that he didn't win shit stage, even though their career individually was excellent. And I, and I think about what it's going to be like five, 10 years from now. We are going to have to be, we're going to have to be the old heads and assuming that we're fortunate enough to be in the same positions where, you know, we're, we, we've got mouthpieces, you know, or we are mouthpieces in a sense about the league itself and the, the games that are played. Are we going to, we're probably going to be the people like you guys, I know Damian Lillard doesn't have a title or, Hey, you guys, I know Jason Tatum and, and I, Tatum's a different story. He's got a long way to go, but like Jason Tatum didn't win a title, but you guys don't understand. Game seven, when he dunked, you know, like I was, I was there courtside when he dunked on LeBron. I was calling that game. I remember it well. Like there are guys like that. That's and it's unfortunate because we love Charles as a as as a television personality. And most of the 13, 14 year olds that are watching now the NBA, they don't understand that this man was the he was Giannis. Yes, and it's for guys weren't six nine and moving the way Giannis does. He was Giannis at six four. Dunking on dudes that were 6'8", six, 6'9", six, boxing dudes out. You couldn't get a rebound against him. He was the biggest pain in the ass that you had to scout against, regardless of the team that was around him, right. and especially when he went to Phoenix. Like, all right, he's got Marley around him, and he's got, you know, KJ, who didn't play well in the finals and all that stuff. Like, he's got these stars, maybe not superstars, but star players or star caliber, all NBA caliber, all-star caliber players around him. Mm-hmm. And he didn't have some of the help that that some other guys did. And I, I've always contended that Jordan had a lot of help to win six titles. Oh, for sure. Now, he probably won a, now he definitely won a lot of those titles right. or at least carried the brunt of the load, but you have to have help. And it's the same thing with what we're seeing now. You know, you're, you're going to, these guys are going to get lost in the history of the game, at least in, on the first page. Maybe they're not going to be the first chapter right. of the book that's written, you know, 30 years from now, the second book of basketball, as your man Bill Simmons might put out <laughs> at some point. Like, you, you're, you're going to lose some of these guys on the front page of history. And it's, I think it's important to remember this time. And I'm sure there were guys in the 90s who were writing about basketball saying the same thing. Like, remember this moment mm-hmm. where you have these... Charles was on the dream team, man. <laughs> like, these guys were dream teamers. These guys were the best in the world. The best 12, 15 players in the world. Mm-hmm. And we talk about them like they weren't shit sometimes. Yeah. And it's... That ain't right, man. Like, I've watched Lillard. I've watched Donovan Mitchell put up huge numbers. Like, Jamal Murray is not a super superstar, but... He's a damn good player before yeah. he got hurt. Maybe he might end up on that page. Who knows? Jokic might end up on that page someday if he doesn't win a title. We're going to talk about him and be like, oh, he wasn't a champion. Y'all see that guy play against some of the best defenders in the world? and make a play. So it's up to us, I think, as mouthpieces to kind of keep that alive and keep the conversation brewing in, in, in years to come. And, and as I'm watching these playoffs, as a, as a Bulls fan, 
uh, and, and a Bulls observer and what we do for a living, trying to figure out, you know, I've, I've always been the kind of fan who um, I don't rush to celebrate the things I already know are strengths because it's like yes. the weaknesses are what keeps you from celebrating the things you want to celebrate, which is the title yeah. and long playoff runs. So in looking at this team, I'm trying to size them up, not just against teams in the East, but teams in the West and what these teams have that the Bulls don't have. And I consistently, I, I come back to what your best three players are and what you have to kind of insulate against because of some of the deficiencies of your best three players. Because if you're going to ride with them, those guys are going to be on the court for the majority of the time. And then you've got guys who are ascending around them and Io DeSumo and some of the young bucks. But I, 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 when I look at these teams that I think are going to go far, their stars... Um, need the least insulation. Like you just mentioned with, with, with Giannis, um, he's turning to a playmaker. Like, like it or yep. not, Giannis is putting a lot of sixes and sevens and eights in that A number in the box yep. score, you know? And it's not just in guys. Like I, it, there, there are some guys who just don't know how to pass, don't have the vision, don't have the IQ, don't want to. There's some guys who feel like the best play ends up with me shooting the ball. I feel like some of those things, whether it be Vooch's defense or Vooch's propensity to, to wander out there in the three uh, area, is that form of function of DeMar DeRozan having to score in the same similar area to, 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 to Vooch and Vooch needing to move around and allow for space? Like what you have to guard against as you are presently constituted against some of these teams who are a little bit more versatile, a little bit more multiple, and also have more experience than you. So in watching sure. these playoffs, what is kind of jumped out to you while still having some of your bull's eyes on? I think defensively, it's where it starts for me. Because I know there were rough moments offensively at the end of the year, second half of the year. I, I'm, I'm, I don't concern myself with that as much. Right. Uh, because I do see what this team is capable of as a whole offensively. And they should, frankly, not have to rely on the shot profile that they had to in the last three, three, four months of the season. They shouldn't have to rely on the difficult contested shots, the DeMar DeRozan jumpers constantly, because when Lonzo was healthy, what were they doing? Grab the ball, push that thing. Lonzo gets the rebound. He's your second leading rebounder, five and a half, six a game, popping it forward. Zach's getting the dunk. Javante Green mm -hmm. dunk, all that stuff. That offense will be there. Defensively, this team does not rotate as well as other teams. Right. I'm not saying they don't rotate. I'm saying they don't do it as well as Boston. They don't do it as well as Milwaukee. They don't do it as well as Golden State. They don't do it as well as Memphis. They don't do it as well as, I mean, you know, Miami. Mm -hmm. You know, these are teams that are elite at rotating, at picking the right spots. Everybody knows the assignment of everybody else. That is also a product of continuity, which was a word that we heard during the exit interviews yeah. a lot. I, that is fair. And with continuity should come a better feel for defense. You made the point. Stacy said it all year. You said it all year. The boys in the studio said it. Your best three players, at least a couple of them, have to be some of your best defenders. To Vucevic's credit, he had a really good shot blocking season. And he's a better defender when you have better perimeter players. Same thing. Rudy Gobert is dealing with the same bullshit right now. Mm -hmm. Like You said that in that first round series against Dallas. Nobody could defend the perimeter. Everybody got beat off the dribble, and the defensive player of the year can only do so much when he's got to do it five or six times more often, or five or six times more than he's used to having to do it. So I think defensively, you can give Vooch that, that credence and that credit. Like, all right, he had a good shot blocking season. 
without Caruso and Ball, the whole defense breaks down. I understand that too. And they're your two best defenders. But Patrick Williams is going to have to find a level in year three, which means he's going to be stronger, I hope, going through all those workouts and everything. I hope that means he's going to be he's going to be a little bit heftier. He's going to be a little bit more willing to press up on on elite level offensive players in that third year and, and say, I'm going to stop you. Zach Levine is going to have to play the defense that he played in the first month of the season if they have any hope of being an elite level team. And then I hope the continuity allows them to leave the right guys because we the, the, the Bulls, I think, left the wrong guys too often. And if they left the right guy for a double team, two passes around the perimeter beats that because now the second rotation isn't good enough. The Bulls were a decent rotation team on the first rotation. They struggled a lot on the second and third rotations. And that's what separates Miami, Milwaukee, Golden State, Utah, the, or uh, you know the, those level of teams from the Bulls right now on the defense front. How do you think Billy Donovan comes back? Because, I mean, everybody's under the microscope. How do you think he comes back? And what do you think he's learned from these last two years and especially this last year getting to coach this group as a whole? Because he got Vooch halfway through a season that was, you know, um, they were trying to figure out. I think, personally, this it was a, hey, Zach, we're doing everything we can. Look at what we got for you. You know, yeah. going into the your your free agent year, and then obviously Demar and Lonzo jump in. Um, Billy, I think his college roots sometimes um, show in that the young players he can get to do whatever, and yeah. he also relies on the personality or the character traits of his veteran players. So, mm-hmm. so the identity of the team is going to be whoever is the veteran core and the veteran leadership and who your best players are. How do you think he comes into next year? And and what do you think he learned about his team this year? I would like to see him hold the veterans a little bit more accountable. And I don't necessarily mean you got to pull an all-star out of the game if they're not defending the way you want them to defend. Right. But I wouldn't mind seeing it once. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't mind seeing a challenge to a Zach Levine, who let's say he gets paid and he stays with the Bulls. All right, brother, you got your security, you got your money, you got your respect. You got your two all-star nods. You have two back-to-back really, really good offensive years. And people understand that you got to those numbers for the most part while playing hurt all year, not just the the knee issue, but the thumb, the back, all that. I need you to play like you played in the Olympics. I need you to accept the role that got you on the floor with Greg Popovich's team when you knew you weren't going to get shots. Mm. You knew you weren't going to get opportunities to score the way you're going to score at this level, the NBA level. I need you to play two-way ball. And that's the only thing now that's going to separate you because you're a max player. There's, third, what, I don't know, maybe 30 to 40 max players really in this league. You know, Let's say every team has one or two. Mm-hmm. So that's between 30 and 40. Some teams don't have any. The Bulls don't have any right now. The expectation is Levine will be one. Like, you're a max player now. You're a top 50 guy in a league that has a lot of players in it. <laughs> what separates you now? Other than the commercials, the shoe deal, the, the scoring ability, which a lot of people have. Trey Young can put up 40 points, too. Devin Booker can put up 40 points, too. Tatum can put up 40. All these guys can score now. You saw the month of March. Everybody put up right, 50. Right. So what are you going to do that's going to separate you once you get the security that I, I, you do deserve? I'm not saying you don't deserve that. You get make your money, secure your bag, and now what are you going to do to separate yourself? And I think it has to come 
at the at the imploring of Billy Donovan to remind him, you are a two-way player. You are as athletic as anybody on the floor. I need to see that from you. Mm. You're not going to get that from a 34-year-old DeRozan all the time. And I think he at least has a better understanding of his body, of the pace, of all that stuff. I need to see a challenge for Vucevic and a challenge for Levine, assuming that they're all together this coming year. And, and Vuce is coming, coming into a contract here now, his last year of a deal. Mm-hmm. I need to see that from those guys. And I think Billy would be the right person because of his temperament, because of his demeanor. To when, you, when he challenges you, I'd like to believe that that sticks. You mentioned DeMar. Uh, what is realistic to expect from him? and What should Bulls fans expect from him next year? I still feel like his game is is such that it plays in a league that's still three-point dominant. It's still a three-point league, and that's not going to change just yet. That's still five years away, ten years away from shifting. This whole, the, the thing I'm learning more and more, whether it's uh, entertainment, whether it's fashion, whether it's politics or sports, everything is on cycles. It's 10, 20, 30-year cycles. History doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes. That's a Jay-Z line mm-hmm. from from hundred dollar bill like that. That's all it is. So everything is cyclical. The the game is going to change back to a two point game at some point, but not yet. So DeMar's game is still a unique portion of what we evaluate the tapestry of the NBA as. I still feel like he should be able to deliver you 25 a game. He is still capable of, of reaching those numbers. Is he going to average 29 and a career high in year 14? I'm not saying he can't. I'm saying I'm not expecting it and I'm not assuming it. So without assuming it, what can I healthily and, and safely assume? I still think he's a 25-point-a-night guy. I still think Zach Levine is a 23, 24, 25-point-a-night guy. I think he has the capability of being a 19, 20-point-a-night guy. I think Patrick Williams has shown that he should be a 14 or 15-point-a-night guy. Add in Lonzo Ball, who's going to give you 10, 12 a game, plus you know six, seven assists. That's why I think the offense is going to be there because DeRozan, if you're basing everything around DeRozan, Levine, and Vucevic, you still have three layers of scoring and it still should be if you create the proper scheme for these guys and they play to their level, which Vucevic did not, just the shooting. It was, he went from 40% to 30%. That's crazy. If he regret, it progresses even to 35, it's a much better year for him. That's what I expect based on DeMar's play and then how the other guys build around that. You mentioned Patrick Williams. I don't know if there's a more confounding player uh, in terms of what the the fan base thinks and people actually outside of the city as well, it's, it's rare that you get uh, a fan base thinking that a guy is is better than he shows, and then the the rest of the country kind of agrees with it as well. Um, you know, you're around him. Um, you know, you you've been around him obviously more than I have, um, being there at the stadium and on the planes and such. But you know, is he is he aware of the opportunity? Like, because if he to that that when I see someone that talented, and I see them trying to figure it out, um, I don't know if all these young men are aware of the urgency of the opportunity, and that the business light has to switch on. You know, this this is no longer you playing in the backyard or playing AAU tournaments or playing in Tallahassee. This is you now with the weight of a franchise on your shoulders. And mm-hmm. when he saw, if I'm Patrick Williams, when I see DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, Nikola Vucevic, all these new people come into this thing while I'm still on my rookie contract, is it's never more present to me that this thing can change very, very quickly. You can end up in Detroit. You can end up yeah. in, in in Salt Lake City. 
Um, is he aware? And what what needs to happen for him to kind of understand that final form that he has to kind of take? I think he is aware. And that's what what's frustrating at times because he's not he's a smart kid, man. Like he's he's sharp. Like he gets it. I think he sees it. I think the five months away hurt more than we realize. I think it really hurt him. And whether it was that early disappointment of being 20 years old and your body failing you in some way, by no fault of his own, and, and I don't blame Mitchell Robinson either. It was just, it's a freak play that took place. You know, like that, it's not like the Alan Caruso thing. This is a freak play. And I feel like he is, he was so shaken by that, unfortunately. And I wish that weren't the case. And this is just my value. This is just my observation of him. This doesn't, you, know, right. the, you can put in as much weight to this or, or as little as you want. I feel like he understands further how important he is. And I just don't think 22 games is enough at the end of the year coming back from five months off for the, again, for probably the first time in his life where his body failed him for him to have to bounce back off that. So I, I think the way we were projecting him early in the year we watched him in the league, the way we watched him kind of play aggressively, with, still within the scope of what the offense was doing. He was basically putting up the same numbers in those first few games that he did throughout his rookie year. So I was like, all right, man, you, you're picking up right where you left off. And then you get hurt. I feel like he understands it. I feel like he has seen what he's capable of. And I just, I, I think a lot of it does have to do with just, you got, 22 games you know you had 17 games coming back and then the five game playoff series and that's just not enough for a young guy you know he's played one season basically he's played like 90 games in his nba career that's just over a full season over a two-year span so it's a lot to ask of him the frustration comes because we know right i know what you can do i know what you're capable i've seen you do it like i've seen it happen and i've seen you do it in in multiple situations as the lead guy, as the guy thrust into it, and as a guy trying to play in the flow of the offense, he's still putting up 20 points against a good defensive team. So I feel like what DeMar DeRozan said about year three being one of the most important years of his career, understanding your body better, understanding two, you know, two full years of travel, understanding what the nuances are, having a good guy like DeRozan saying, come out to L.A., Kobe Bryant-style workout, we're going to put you through the ringer. That is a big deal. So I have high expectations right out of the gate in year three for him, and I hope he does too, and I think he does. Speaking of high expectations, who do you expect if you if you were a betting man and you had to bet one or the other uh, to be the twenty twenty four starting point guard for the Chicago Bulls? Hmm. Because I think I think the perfect scenario is working out here. Um, you got a guy, and then you got a guy pushing a guy, and if you yeah. look at that backcourt. You know, you got you're gonna have what two hundred seventy million dollars of questionable knee activity. Um, yeah, and Io Desumu seems like he's gobbling up everything that they can handle. Um, wh- what do you see happening with the Bulls' backcourt, including Kobe White and you know some of the other guys that are in the mix because they need shooting and they yep. may have some of it in house, but some of the flaws, some of the pieces may not uh, match, and some things may overlap contract wise. So, so how do you see this, this thing shaking out here in the next couple of years, probably in the backcourt? Yeah, I, I, I personally think Levine will sign and stay. I think like if I had to put a percentage on it, I'm thinking it's 70% he signs. And then there's a 20% chance it's a sign and trade. And there's a 10% chance he just bounces straight out. 
I, the only, the only reason I, I put such a little percentage on the, on the last part of that is because I don't think the Bulls and this front office is silly enough to let him walk for nothing. Right. So you're gonna, you're gonna sign him. He's gonna get the most money in Chicago. And if you find a great deal that he's happy with and that everybody else, all right, you might, you might be somewhere else. Io is gonna be here. They, they banked on him and they won. And they're gonna make sure that he's here and you can still get him on the cheap compared to where else he's gonna end up going. He's gonna be here. Lonzo, I still think is if he's healthy, he's here. But in a few years, you're going to have to think about him. If he continues on this progression that he's been on, is he going to be a max guy? Because he's, you know, he's a $20 million cat right now. That might be, be pumped up to 30 or at least maybe not, if not a max guy, certainly close to it. So he's going to take a big chunk of your salary cap out. The difference is none of those guys I think of as pure knockdown shooters. And Kobe White on this roster is the only pure knockdown shooter. He is in his first three years. What you've seen from him is that his job, his main job, catch the ball, shoot the ball, make, make the shot. That is your job. And if you can't do that in a league that that is probably one of the most important aspects of offensive basketball right now, you got to go get somebody. So he's probably first on the, on the block if you are going to make a trade. If I had to bank on it, I would probably just gut feel. I think he's gone by the end of the year. Plus, you've talked about this on, on a couple of recent podcasts. Remember, this this front office is two years old. They have no loyalty to anybody, or they don't have to have any loyalty to anybody that was here prior. And they pretty much have shown they don't. They kept Levine. They kept Kobe White. And then they've drafted Patrick Williams, and then everybody else is part of this roster. So... You know, like White, White and Levine are the two guys that are left over from the previous regime, and they don't have any loyalty to that. I know, and I'm not saying it's that's a indictment of AK and no, Mark. I'm saying no, that's business. the league. That business, that's any GM, any president in this league. So I still feel like you could have Levine and Ball together for a while, and I think that'd be a very formidable backcourt. I was going to be here. And I think that's that's where my feelings, my strong feelings, probably stop. And you're banking on a lot of ifs. Now I'm, I I feel comfortable banking on some of those ifs, the knee issues. I think Zach will be fine. Hopefully Lonzo will be fine. But you're still talking about ifs and woods and hopefullys. So that's where my gut feel is right now. With plenty of room to have my mind change over the next, you know. 18 months. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So what does the schedule take you next, man? Are you had a little bit of a break here. Like, what's, what's, what's happening in the world of Adam and me? Got this blank-ass calendar behind <laughs> me, which is nice. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm back at it. Uh, we're doing some FS1 uh, baseball in the next couple of weeks. Got two games in the next three weeks. That's it. Uh, and then at the end of the month, we'll start traveling again uh, for Fox. We'll do our Saturday night Fox game of the week. I'm spending a lot of time on the West Coast. You know, we're doing the National League division series this year okay. uh, for Fox. So we'll be uh, geared towards the NL. I've got a lot of Dodgers, a lot of Giants. Uh, got a, got some Phillies and Yankees and Red Sox mixed in, but it's a lot of NL West. I just feel like that's a, that division, again, is as intriguing, even if it's not as high quality, like Padres, oh, yeah. Dodgers, Giants. Very interesting. The Rockies, the Rockies are interesting as they always are. So, you know, we'll see how Arizona plays out. But I, I, I like this this time of year, man, just to take a respite, take a breather. You understand, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. you're, you're trying, you're trying, you're trying to find the pockets, man. And you're trying to find the balance and try not to kill yourself at the same time <laughs> yes. as, as, 
as you're trying to stay up with the rest of the competition. You know, we're competitive guys who are trying to find contentment in that competition. Yeah, trying trying to find that balance. Been doing it for couple of decades now. Still haven't yeah, struck man. it yet, but hopefully uh, before it's all said and done, we will. Hey, man, I'm going I'm to actually check out that schedule because if you're going to be on the West Coast this summer and, and the schedule allows for it, I, I might have to sneak out there. I'll I've let never, you know, I've never been to San you, Diego. You me so. up. I'll let you know where we're at. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Um, Man, this is fun. Tuesdays with Adam. We should make this thing uh, <laughs> happen more often. And uh, thank you. Thank you as a, as a co-worker course, for um, these last couple of years. Uh, for always keeping your hands to yourself when it came to me. <laughs> I, I think you I, I think you and I do a good job of letting Will and Stacy go at it a little bit yes. as former teammates and, yes. and friends and colleagues. They they enjoy each other, uh, ribbing each other. Kendall gets his licks in when he can, like a true boxer. And then you and I are just trying not to step into the friendly fire. Yeah, we're, 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 we're outside of the frat house, you know, still getting hazed <laughs> and never going to be allowed in. But, you but know. Those, guys, those guys still fight. Yeah, right, right. right. A, hey, guys, we got beer. <laughs> got beer. If y'all just want to hang out, we can just do that. But, play, man, play we, some pong. we got talls. Like, everyone smile. <laughs> we got talls. <laughs> Adam and me. I'm I'm still trying to figure that dynamic out, man. That dynamic kills me. It's so it, much it, fun. I, I stopped it. trying to figure it out. I just let it ride. I just let it ride. I've got... <laughs> you're riding the wave while you can't, right. man. Enjoy the, enjoy the waves while, while you're riding. I, I've, got, I've, got the, I've got the boxer. I've got the banker. And I've got you and Stacy. <laughs> and then I watch a basketball game. It's as simple as that. All right, brother. Exactly. Thank you so much, man. It's always good to talk to you. And uh, I'll probably yeah. talk to you tonight when we play Call of Duty. So I don't even know why I'm acting like I won't talk to you in a while. I'll be on in a bit, man. I'll talk to you then. <laughs> My man, 50 grand. Yep. Adam Amin, ladies and gentlemen, right here on the Full Go Podcast. We'll be back with more of the Full Go with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. You led this Bulls team to the best record in the NBA. You are the youngest MVP in NBA history. (laughs) 
And in a league of very valuable players, you are the most valuable. And it is my pleasure to award to you the Kia NBA 2010-11 MVP trophy. Right here, it's for the city of Chicago more than anything. Thank you. I appreciate it. My family appreciated it, and the organization appreciated it. Thank you all, and we love you all. All right, so we were going to close this thing out. My man, man, Jesse Lopez, uh, mentioned that today is the one-year anniversary of Derrick Rose. Oh, not one year, but was it 10-year? 10-year anniversary. 10-year anniversary. Yeah, it'd be different if it was one year because then that means that the knee injuries didn't happen and the Bulls have been playing in a different universe this entire time and they're now two or three-time world champions and Derrick Rose is a three-time MVP if this was the the uh, the year anniversary of his MVP. It's the 10-year anniversary of his MVP season and I, I still remember it like yesterday. It was one of the more uh, fun rides that I've ever had a chance to cover or witness, observe, whatever you want to call it, uh, working for the local radio station here. Um, I will say this. Derrick Rose is a big reason why I am where I am today in my career. Um, You can work as hard as you want. You could be a part of as many special situations as you want to. Uh, But every once in a while, you catch a wave. You ride that wave on in. And I'll never forget the night that Derrick Rose, well, the night that the Bulls won the draft lottery, I was on the phone with my uncle. Uh, and this is when I lived in Hyde Park, my first apartment outside of my mom and dad's crib. And I'm in our garden apartment in Hyde Park. It was it 5330 South Drexel. Shout out to, shout out to, to many, many days catching the number four bus over there. Um, I'm I'm in the the garden apartment watching the the draft lottery and slowly but surely you could you could feel it building like oh the Bulls are about to mess around and get a top three top four pick oh Bulls about to definitely get a top three pick oh it's not only the Miami Heat and the Chicago Bulls left in terms of the card that has to be flipped over and when the Heat's card got opened up. I was on the phone with my uncle Greg and I said to him the Bulls just motherfucking got Derrick Rose. I said it just like that. It was there was no doubt in my mind. And this was at the time too, where a lot of people in the city is like, ah, oh, Michael Beasley, six foot eight, did everything that Kevin Durant had just did in the Big 12. Remember, Kevin Durant had that crazy run, that one-year run in the Big 12 at Texas. Michael Beasley went to Kansas State and pretty much did the exact same thing individually uh, in terms of his numbers. And six foot eight, as opposed to six two, six three, big man's league. Um, who you going to go with hometown guy, especially because of what had happened with Eddie Curry and how that turned out, you know, the pressures of playing in the city that you grew up in. Uh, and, and Derek to me from that moment was the pick. And of course he ended up being the pick had a terrific, terrific rookie year, rookie of the year. Um, he, he, he ascended at a rate that nobody could have seen coming. And it, it was one of those, phenomenons and it's so crazy to talk about it now uh, because there was a time when everybody in this city loved Derrick Rose and then the knee injuries happened um, the legal issues occurred and it, it became a tale of two Chicago's 
who who was on Derek's side and who was rooting for Derek and who was hell bent and getting Derek up out the paint. Uh, all that being said, 2011, 2012 season, 2011 Eastern Conference Finals. Um, there's been a lot of things I've had a chance to cover. You know, I've had a chance to cover title fights in Vegas and Madison Square Garden uh, in Memphis. You know, got a chance to cover the uh, the, um, the the Lennox Lewis Tyson fight uh, at the Pyramid in Memphis. Um, fight night energy is is unlike anything, but that series, those moments, um, as fun a time as I've had in this business, and it was because of Derrick Rose um, at the time. Twitter was like a new thing for me. So I'm tweeting out things about, you know, covering the games. And and that was the time, too, actually, Jesse, where I actually drunkenly on the side of a road uh, in Bourbonnais, Illinois, while covering training camp with the rest of my, you know, 670 to score cohorts, looked at uh, Chris Collins and Dan Bernstein. I'll never forget and say, I'm going to start covering the Bulls. Because as a producer, uh, I was uh, like, one of the voices on the show. I was the sound man on the show. Um, I felt like I brought my own flavor and style to the show, but I, I didn't feel like it was making enough inroads for me. Like I wanted to, I wanted, to, I felt I was greater than that. Um, and I thought to myself, hey man, proprietary content, like what are you getting that nobody else is getting? And I saw an opportunity with the Bulls and covering the Bulls and we and we had a terrific staff, terrific crew. You know, David Schuster was already covering the Bulls for the show and for the station, I should say. But I was going to just start going and getting my own tape. And that was shortly after the Bulls um, tr- got the number one pick. Uh, it was it was understood that okay, they're going to draft Derrick Rose. I want to be there for this. And that four or five year ride um, got me a chance to go to Atlanta and have my own show, uh, the evening show on 92.9 The Game. Uh, that four- or five-year ride got me a chance to um, get in front of some, some, some eyes and ears that I hadn't been in front of previously. Uh, that four- or five-year ride allowed me to explore um, the reaches of what I thought I could do because more people were listening to me and the, the pressure was on and the, the content needed to be this. And people, people at the station wanted me on more and more and more and more because of the phenomenon that Derrick Rose was. So when people talk about Derrick, when I get a chance to talk about Derrick, uh, it's, it's, it's usually not the same story. You know, like people talk about uh, the wanting to be there for the graduations and the celebrations and walk correctly and all the things that he, the missteps that he said or the missteps that he made during certain press conferences. I mean, I, you know, I remember asking him about the business of basketball, you know, right when it was turning after the knee injuries and all those things. I mean, I can't wait and and it's already been done, but I can't wait for um, after we get away from it from, for a little bit, I can't wait for some documentarian or some 30 for 30 situation or some Netflix situation to take a look at the ins and outs and what actually happened from the moment Derrick Rose was drafted to the moment he was traded to the New York Knicks. Now, B.J. Armstrong, guy that we've had on this podcast, has detailed that in, in 
you know, very clear words, not only to me and to other people, but also there's a documentary about it where he finds out on the phone that he had been traded. Um, so all those things are out there for you, but uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation when we get further and further away from what the Derrick Rose phenomenon was in this city and for it to be 10 years later uh, since he was um, named MVP of the NBA, the youngest MVP in the history of the NBA, a, a guy who literally rewrote uh, the CBA. Like he and his early accomplishments are the reasons why if you do certain things in your first contract, you are eligible for the max quicker than anybody else. Because Derrick Rose was, uh, was a, an achiever <laughs> of epic proportions his first three or four years uh, with the Chicago Bulls and first three or four years in the NBA. So um, th- this time, you know, I look back on it finally, one, I'm old as hell. It makes me feel even older. And, and two, um, the the thought of what could have been, right? What what could have been if if the knees and, and the body uh, would have would have been in line and lockstep with uh, the heart and the tenacity and the skill level. So um, it was a great time, and, and and that seemed like an era so so long ago. And, and I appreciate my man Jesse Lopez for reminding me about that because um, seems like the Bulls are are back in relevance and back on the tip of people's tongues where they should be, but. Man, what a time to be alive when Derrick Rose was named MVP. It's the full go, That's all the time we have for episode 99 of the Full Go podcast with Jason Goff. I want to thank our guest, Adam Amin of NBC Sports Chicago, or Fox Sports. He does it all, and he's going to be back on the road here for some baseball shenanigans pretty soon. So make sure you're looking out for that Saturday night Fox baseball game of the week. We appreciate Adam, and uh, he's, he's, he's a friend, so he's not just a guest, so I appreciate his time. I want to thank our production staff, the always active Jesse Lopez, and, of course, the shadowy figure known as Steve Cerruti. Uh, we'll catch you on Thursday, right, for episode 100. Of the Full Go podcast, maybe we'll uh we'll throw out the uh, voicemail line to ask us whatever you want to ask us from this first hundred episodes or whatever's on your bird. Make sure you keep that voicemail line close to you, somewhere in your contact. Seven seven three three five nine three one zero three is the phone number. Seven seven three three five nine three one zero three. The Full Go voicemail line is always open to youth fan, and we'll be joined by Greg Rosenthal from the NFL Network as well. Uh, we want to thank you for listening to this thing for downloading this thing, subscribing to this thing, rating and reviewing it, sharing it with your friends and your people, your family. I truly, truly appreciate everything you do for this podcast. For Jesse and Steve, I'm Jason. This has been the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer. And of course, Spotify is the gang. As always, believe you with this. Take care of each other. And remember, be safe. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side-by-side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. 
So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.